Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey folks, Jack here. Just wanted to pop on real quick before the episode starts and uh, acknowledge the passing of actor Paul Rubens this week. Uh, All of us here at Cinema Possessed loved and admired his work in film and television since we were kids. We've talked about him and his character Pee Wee Herman a number of times in this podcast, uh, both in relationship to his impact that he had on our childhoods, but also the impact that he had on film and culture in general. Uh, Specifically, you can go back and listen to our episode on John Singleton's Boys in the Hood and hear about how uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse had a direct influence on the making of that film. He was a brilliant and hilarious comedic performer with a completely unique point of view whose work both entertained and inspired and empowered us, uh, especially as kids, to to be creative and weird and completely ourselves. And his characters could still make us laugh today. Corey and I just a few weeks ago got to go see a cemetery screening of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and it was amazing to watch that movie with hundreds of people, both adults and children, all of us laughing and quoting along with it. it. It was just a really special experience. And I think I speak for everyone, including this week's guests, when I say we will miss him very much. Uh, Rest in peace, Paul Rubens, and thank you for all of your work. And now we can start the episode. Okay, quick time is recording. Recording over here, too. Uh, I'm seeing sound waves. Corey, speak in your microphone. Hello, hello, hello. Check one, two. Seeing some waves. Um, I don't know if you know, but I do like a unique little intro at the beginning of every (laughs) episode for the movie. And um, it's embarrassing enough as it is with Justin and Corey here. But with you, I'm I'm particularly embarrassed to do them. But I'm going to give it my all. Okay, here we go. I don't think that we should go out anymore. I mean, I, I just think it's over. It's over again. No, not again. This is it. This is the last time. It's for real. It's 1981, and people wanted fun from mainstream comedies. Not psychotic, jealous guys. But Albert Brooks tried. He tried. 
second honest film about love His second feature film It barely made a dime But then he got a call Stanley Kubrick on the line And Kubrick liked He liked Kubrick couldn't get enough of Albert Brooks wrote he cast his brother Bob Einstein And Bruno Kirby And James L. Brooks Don't forget about Catherine Harold And George Kennedy And Meadowlark Lemon Both of which are playing themselves Bowie's hard. That's a lot of commitment. That's a a karaoke commitment. The only way out is through. Welcome, everybody, to the Cinema Possessed Podcast. My name is Jack Bishop. And I'm Corey Clifford. And each week, we take a close look at one film in our combined DVD and Blu-ray collections and discuss what it was about it that originally possessed us to want to possess it. We'll debate whether or not the film still holds that power over us today, and in the end, we'll decide once and for all if it deserves to keep its place on the shelf or be dumped at a hamburger hamlet. Ooh. I think everything's good here. It made me really want to go to a diner. Yeah, me too. Uh, and before we begin, I just wanted to give a quick update to the listeners that as of this record, the WGA strike is still ongoing and SAG after the Actors Union has joined forces with them on the picket lines to demand better contracts that guarantees fairer wages so that people can actually make a fucking living in this industry. So, uh, so many people in this industry, so many talented, uh, prolific artists are not able to make a real living because the AMPTP. And the studios and the streamers, they're just not playing fair. They're making huge profits off the labor and talent of writers and actors, and they're exploiting an ever-evolving industry in order to not share the wealth. And we just aren't going to fucking take it anymore. So this is the first time since 1960 that the actors and writers unions have been on strike together. Uh, It was historic then. It's historic now. We're going to change the industry, folks. Uh, We deserve better. You deserve better. And uh, if you want to help, you can go to SAGAFTRAStrike.org, find out more information, learn how you can get involved. Uh, And if you want to support financially, you can go on over to the EntertainmentCommunity.org. Donate if you have the means. It helps people in the industry who are out of work right now. Uh, We're all just sitting here without jobs. (laughs) But what else is new? Am I right? Okay. Today, we are pumped. To be joined by a hilarious and iconic writer, actor, producer, stand-up comedian, whose work you know from The Simpsons, The Ben Stiller Show, his talk show Hanging with Dr. Z, his podcast The Dana Gould Hour, and of course his horror comedy series Stand Against Evil, where uh, he and I bonded over 
trying to uh, get a goat to carry a human head around, <laughs> which is kind no, of a unique experience to us. I think it's it's hard, folks. If you've ever tried it, they don't they don't like to carry shit, no. much less a prosthetic human head. <laughs> they don't. We are thrilled to talk movies today with the legend Dana Gould. Woo! That's the uh, beautiful thing about not dying. Eventually, you just become a legend. <laughs> um, I, I was so excited to throw the Stanley Kubrick thing at you. And then you, <laughs> how did you guys find that out? Because I'm trying to remember how, how I found it out. It was one of the first things I had learned about this movie back when, like, uh, when I first got into it and started, like, looking up interviews and stuff. I'd found a, a, one of the Albert Brooks interviews that, that he talked about it. Yeah, I think I saw him talking about it on The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. or Letterman, he told the story. And then I, th- this is name dropping. I, he, I talked to him about it. Oh, um, so you have, you've actually talked to Albert interactions Brooks? with Albert. I, okay. Yeah. Cool. Several times, several times because of uh, two things. Um, the Simpsons, he was around a lot. Mm-hmm. He does, he's best friends with Jim. Right. And he does voices occasionally. And so I would see him through that. And he was very good friends with, my very good friend Janine Garofalo. So in the early 90s, when Janine and I were always hanging out, uh, and she was also hanging out with Albert. She was on the Ben Stiller show as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've known I've known Janine since college, um, oh. and then uh, and then she was since she was in college, and mm-hmm. I was a comedian in Boston, and she was an open micer. But um, she was hanging out with Albert, so I got to meet him through Janine as well. And uh, that's awesome. So Benny told several stories about Stanley Kubrick that we'll that we'll get to. But yeah, yeah Stanley Kubrick wanted had always wanted to make a movie about jealousy mm-hmm. and he said like you you did it yeah, Col- <laughs> yeah. cold called him on the phone just yeah, like rang him up yeah can you even imagine <laughs> no no do you know the do you know the scatman crothers story between them no okay so this is story he says uh you know, so I become friends with Stanley Kubrick and we talk on the phone. And, uh, and uh, one night I'm watching Johnny and Scatman Crothers is on and he's promoting Bronco Billy. And he tells Johnny, he goes, uh, I did one take and Clint Eastwood yelled, cut, let's move on. And I started crying. <laughs> and Johnny and Johnny goes, why did you cry? I don't understand. And he just screwed. Stanley Kubrick had me get out of a snowcat 87 times. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, this is too this is too funny. So I call up Stanley because it's morning in England and it's nighttime here. I know he's up. I call him up. I go, Stanley Scatman Crothers is on the Tonight Show and he's dragging your name through the mud. And <laughs> Stanley thunders at me from across the uh, across the globe. Don't ever work with Scatman Crothers. <laughs> he can't do the same thing the same way twice. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, wow. That really wow. speaks to too what I think. I think they were kindred spirits, uh, Brooks and Stanley, in that they were both perfectionists. And I think this yeah, movie yeah. is very much yeah. about a perfectionist and a psychopath. Yeah, and so, <laughs> it's a haunting tale. This yeah, movie. yeah. Um, it is. I have to say, the first time I saw this movie, 
um, I, I was thinking like, where was he sitting when I was doing that? Because <laughs> I thought it was just the, I thought yeah. it was just me and my girlfriend. How at did the he time. catch me? Yeah. Well, in How my did... memory of this movie, before we watched it again, I was like, oh yeah, that's like a really fun romantic comedy. And Jack was like, it is not romantic. And then, then we were watching. I was like, what the hell was my warped mind yeah. thinking yeah. when I first yeah. saw this? Uh, Corey, tell the people what movie we are talking about today. Today we are talking about Albert Brooks's 1981, maybe romantic comedy, Modern Romance. After Robert broke up with a girl of his dreams. Don't call me either, okay? Pop dead. Very sweet. Thanks. He was single. There's 10 million people in this city alone. How difficult can it be to find one perfect person? It's not that big a deal. He was free. <laughs> a call. A call, Mr. Popularity. Mr. Popularity. Hello. He took vitamins. He broke up with somebody. Uh-huh. Uh, you're going to need C, magnesium. He started running. One, two, three. I don't even miss her. Two, three. <laughs> he started dating. Ellen, Ellen, out of the past. Ellen, Petey. <laughs> Ellen. He had everything a modern guy could want. Robert Cole, everything you do from this moment on will only make you feel better. He felt awful. I'm alone now. I don't want to play Lou. What am I going to do? Hug myself? I love you very much, Mary. I know you do. Oh, I know you do. I guess that's the same as I love you too. <laughs> Albert Brooks and Catherine Harold in Modern Romance. If it isn't love, what is it? Mary. Mary. It's crazy how many of the great lines are even just in the trailer. I know, yeah. yeah. Do, you um, animal, do you have any animals that say, I'm sorry, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> so Dana and I worked together on Standing Against Evil, which is a horror comedy television show. Obviously, in that process, we bonded over a shared love of horror movies, uh, stuff like American Werewolf in London, the Evil Dead films, David Lynch. We bonded over all that stuff. But the the most surprising thing that it, to me that we bonded over was the shared love for Albert Brooks. Yeah. Well, Two, three, I don't even miss her. Two, three. <laughs> Dude, the amount of lines from this movie that I quote on like a daily basis. Anytime we run out of anything in the house, I go, gotta get some new E. <laughs> I got E, the old standby. The old standby. <laughs> Bonk. Uh, Janine, uh, J- uh, Janine Garofalo will sometimes just, I uh, will have a voicemail and it's just Petey. Ellen, <laughs> Petey. Yeah, he's. I mean, sometimes uh, I will just put on the Twilight Zone movie just to watch the opening sequence with Albert with Brooks and Dan, Dan Aykroyd yeah, Dan in the car. Yeah. I think the movie itself is not very good, but that <laughs> no. opening sequence is like an all timer for me, and it's purely just Albert Brooks. That's so. Yeah. The Midnight yeah. Special. <laughs> I, was, I was actually. We went on a riff on that in a writer's room I was in before before the strike, um, <laughs> which was uh, the lyrics of the National Geographic theme song. Yeah. There goes, <laughs> you know, there goes a lion. <laughs> Let's go see where he lives. <laughs> Look at that old man. He could make us real bucks. <laughs> He lives up under that tree. <laughs> and you know they you know they had no script. 
Oh, yeah, they're, they're just riffing. Do they're just riffing. Yeah. I could have watched a whole movie with those two. I didn't need yeah. any of those other stories. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he's like low-key my favorite part of Taxi Driver, too, which was his first, the first feature oh, so film good. that he was in as an actor. Oh, uh, really? What Was that it? Was it Taxi Driver? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was hysterical. And I guess I guess uh, Scorsese just heard about him through just the, the stand-up comedy scene. And he said, he, he told a story that um, on set, he would just walk onto set and Scorsese would just start laughing laughing at him yeah. because he thought he was so funny <laughs> to the point where he was constantly having asthma attacks on the I set and he was like I'm not saying anything funny to you Martin <laughs> no I believe my brother my brother is like my brother Kevin is like that if he just walks mm-hmm. in the room and I will start laughing he's just <laughs> yeah effortlessly hilarious um I didn't know that was his first movie that's amazing he was also you know he was a pretty popular stand-up comedian and he acted he was on like he did a couple episodes of The Odd Couple that are hilarious. Oh, really? As a young uh, ad exec, mm-hmm. uh, but a re- really groovy ad exec. And I remember the name. <laughs> it was to get Felix. Felix was going to photograph a new men's cologne called Mandar. <laughs> <laughs> And then he met Oscar, like he went over to the apartment and met Oscar and he was like, no, you're the guy, yeah. you're Mandar. <laughs> and, and, and it's just, it's just, and to see like those three guys, like talk about like everybody in this scene has a fastball, Yeah, you know, it's, it was, it's really great. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen it in years, but I remember that really specifically. I have to the go cool. look it up because I, yeah. I, yeah. I'm just And he's obsessed. got the giant hair and the yeah. Yeah. glasses. It's very early, very early seventies, mm-hmm. late sixties. I feel like the first time I ever saw him was in broadcast news. Mm-hmm. That was like when. Oh really? Yeah, I don't. I think that was the first time, and I was. I thought he was the funniest person. Like that whole yeah. sweating scene. I mean, mm-hmm. it makes me cry laughing. I can sing while I read. <laughs> I am reading and singing both. <laughs> yeah, and again, in all those things, you know, he was just like, well, he just riffed that. Yeah, yeah. I've never oh. met anybody that was that bullwhip fast mm-hmm. with a 10 you know like he'll throw something at you but it's not like it's like well that's the perfect joke mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we we can stop I, I was thinking about that while watching this movie like how much was of it was scripted and how much of it was just him that kind of stuff is hard to tell but right. and, and i've tried before to find the original script of this and i can't i can't dig it up anywhere but i would love to read it and know an interesting script to be co-written with a woman exactly uh, yes yeah. i was thinking you know, the same which thing he, which he did with most of his most of his yeah, uh, he features he wrote them all with monica johnson yeah did you see this movie when it came out in theaters or was it something you you found later i didn't see it in theaters but i was aware of it i was a comedy nerd in high school mm-hmm. already and albert was on snl in the first season it had done short movies and i right. i knew who albert i knew who albert brooks was mm-hmm. we had in 81 it was like a cable box and the the it was called Starcase, mm. and we it was like cable, and we would get movies in the house. And the movies that I really specifically remember watching that they had on as a junior in high school, um, Apocalypse Now was on every day. Nice serial with Martin Mull, uh-huh. an, an underrated comedy, I think. Uh, Modern Romance was on. Stardust Memories was on. Mm-hmm a lot and uh, uh a couple a couple other ones and that's so i was i had seen modern romance probably 81 82 uh i had no idea what i was you know i was in high school so i didn't really yeah. 
It's like seeing 2001 not on drugs. Like, I, I, I don't yeah. think I'm getting the full effect of this right, movie, but right, I still yeah. like it. And then it was only a couple of years after that. And then I was doing comedy and, mm-hmm. and really into it. And then I, I watched real life with, uh, you know, on VHS. And, yeah. and then, so I'd seen real life and modern romance before Lost in America. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. kind of my similar track too. I saw, but there was, when I was about 16, my parents got the full cable package that came with all the movie channels. We had it for one mm-hmm. year. It was a great year. I discovered a whole lot of shit. <laughs> and on, I want to say it was like Encore Romance. This movie, <laughs> <laughs> this movie popped up and I just kind of stumbled on it and it was pretty close to the beginning. I think it was, it was during, it was, he was in the editing room with Bruno Kirby and I mm-hmm. was like, oh, this is interesting. And I was already aware of Albert Brooks from Taxi Driver. I'd seen Lost in America, but I was not, I wouldn't say I was a fan of his yet. And I just kind of caught it from there. And I'll say that the midway through that Quaalude sequence, <laughs> I sort of sat up and was just like, what is this movie? And yeah. became entranced by it. And immediately when it was over, the next day I was like, I have to go track this down and make sure, see what I missed in the beginning. Um, turns out it didn't miss a whole lot. Okay. Um, immediately was like, I need to see everything he's directed. I mm-hmm. went back and saw Real Life, was obsessed. It's Real Life was one of those watches too, where I was like, this is as good as Modern Romance. And that's a surprise. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's Real it's one- Life. And modern romance are like rubber soul and revolver. Exactly. It's like everything is exactly where it should be. Yes. And I was also just like really artistically stimulated by it. Like he, there, there's like a level of formalist control to the filmmaking that I immediately could sort of like latch on to as like, this is really unique for a comedy. And I really liked the tonal braveness of it. Like it's... It's not a movie that caters to you comedically. Uh-uh. You have to you have to meet it where it's at. You know, it, it you have to jump on his wavelength. He's actively creating an unlikable character. You know, right. like wouldn't you know? He's he's not doing like the Bill Murray thing. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Every guy walks out of a Bill Murray movie it, wishing they were Bill Murray. Exactly. Yeah. No, nobody walks out of Modern Romance going, like, I want to be that. No. <laughs> but what he's doing, and I think he does it in all of his movies, is he's exposing fundamental truths about Absolutely. humanity that I think is scary to people. <laughs> yeah. I think you and me, people like us, we watch it and we relate to it and we go like, I love this because it's true and because it feels yeah. real. I think there are a lot of people who are like, oh, this reminds me of myself and it makes me feel fucking weird. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it, you know. As a stand-up comedian, my biggest influences were Albert Brooks and George Carlin. Mm. And George Carlin, George did, George was not personal at all. He did some biographical stuff on Class Clown and Occupation Fool, but by and large, he was uh, like a, 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 a journalist. He was like, you know, baseball and football, mm-hmm. trees. he would take a subject and dissect it yeah and albert just especially in comedy minus one tells a story about richie opening for richie havens Mm -hmm. uh and that is like oh i can just tell a funny story yeah about what i did that day Mm -hmm. and that was a huge Open a huge door for me. You know, Dana, I have this book about Albert Brooks called The The Films of Albert Brooks. Are you aware of this book? No, I'm not aware of this book. You're quoted in this book. What? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're quoted in the introduction here. I'll sue. <laughs> <laughs> it's from a New York Times magazine article about the Ben Stiller show. 
Oh, and, we, that we all wanted. We all wanted to be Albert Brooks. Yes, you say uh, Dana. Dana Gould explains that the cast of the Ben Stiller show all shared the opinion that quote Albert Brooks was the funniest person on the planet. We all wanted to become him to write and direct and act in really harshly funny movies. Wow. That is a that is a real quote. <laughs> <laughs> what can I see that book again? I would. Yeah. Uh... It's awesome. This is, is this is the most like comprehensive. It's just a col- the films of Albert Brooks. It's a I'm collection of just uh, essays all about his movies. It covers all of them. Uh, it's really good. I highly recommend it for anybody who's interested in Albert Brooks as a filmmaker, and it covers his acting as well. I was going to tell you about this book. This, this is a book called um, Los Angeles in the 1970s. Uh-huh. It's just a series of essays. And the last one is this, uh, When Reality Was a Joke, The Making of Albert Brooks' oh, Real Life. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and it's, there's stuff in here that I didn't know, that they were going to make a totally different movie. Interesting. And Ooh. Albert didn't think he knew how to direct it. Yeah. But because of his short about the famous school for comedians, mm-hmm. he knew he could, he had a better, he had a feeling that he had a better shot at directing uh, the what became real life, right? And real life, he wrote with Monica Johnson and Harry Shearer. Oh, nice! I didn't realize Harry yeah. Shearer was involved in the writing. Yeah, of it. Harry Shearer was. And he, Harry Shearer also co-wrote Albert's comedy album, Comedy Minus One. Yes. So let's talk about that. I mean, Albert Brooks, not to be confused with the soon-to-be-released. Godzilla minus one. Oh, I love it. Is, is that, are you going to do that? <laughs> no, that's the next. No, that's the next Godzilla movie from Japan. Oh. It's called Godzilla minus one. I thought that was going to be the name of your next comedy. Although <laughs> no, no, that's absolutely in my wheelhouse. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I'm that's still perfect. All deep in my planet of the Apes show. I can't go taking on Godzilla at the same Godzilla time. Godzilla meets a very specific Albert Brooks reference as your comedy album title. I that's did. Great. I did make when the poster came out. I did put Albert in it and send it to my little dirty <laughs> friend. Hilarious. Yeah, Albert. Brooks has always been like a total uh, deconstructor of things, and it starts even with his comedy albums, like uh, Comedy Minus One and A Star Is Bought are both yep. deconstructions of stand-up comedy. They're they're not like any other stand-up comedy album. And, and that's why Ben Stiller mm-hmm. had, I think, such an affinity for him. Like, Ben had the poster for real life in his... Uh, this is how long ago the story was. This is Ben had the poster for real life in his apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 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 but uh, but because Albert and Ben were both deconstructors, mm-hmm. both of them were raised. Their parents were professional comedians. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Albert's was and Ben's were. So yeah. was Albert's father was. Yeah, Harry and, Einstein. Right, and so of course you make fun of. What your parents did, you know, Mm -hmm. if, if, you know, my dad worked for the phone company, so I could just do straight out comedy, but (laughs) Harry and Jerry and Anne were comedians. So of course Mm -hmm. they're going to do comedy about comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it also it, it it influenced his flavor of comedy, which I think Albert Brooks's flavor of comedy is also very dark. Yeah, he was born Albert Einstein, which mm-hmm. his father basically <laughs> named him as a joke because he yep. knew it would be funny. Uh, and then his his father uh, famously died during a Friars Club roast of Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. Yeah, he went up. He performed for them. He sat back down and he slumped over dead. Oh my God. Yeah. So like talk about, you know, uh, 
comedy through trauma. Yeah. (laughs) When uh, Harry Einstein dropped dead on the dais, two weird things happened. Like it was a friar's roast in Beverly Hills. So, so like, is there a doctor in the house with like 700 hands? <laughs> and this either happened or it was going to happen. The doctor literally like cut him open and did like a hand cardiac massage. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. I heard they, 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 they yeah. used a lamp cord to try to yeah. shock electric. Yeah. Yes. And, to keep the show going, while mm-hmm. they did that, they brought on a singer, and the the only song the singer had prepared was literally called like "There's No Tomorrow" <laughs> or without you, "There's No Tomorrow." Like, it was oh just this God. terrible, <laughs> terrible. Honestly, though, it's the perfect way for a comedian to go out. You know, you that's do your true. set yeah. right when you're done. You die. You cause a huge yep. commotion. That's also hilarious. You upstage uh, Milton Berle. <laughs> So yeah, he he. I think that informs why his comedy is so uh, uniquely dark. <laughs> comedy killed his father. Yeah, he would want to deconstruct it. He would want to explore it. And yeah, all uh, starting with his comedy albums, but well into into real life, his first feature film, he's deconstructing the narrative of what a comedy movie would be, of what a comedy album would be. He oftentimes is sort of breaking the fourth wall. He's playing a version of himself. Like his comedy albums, like real life, sort of open with like, "Hi, I'm Albert Brooks, and today <laughs> we're gonna." figure out a way to give you the best product by scientific methods uh, you know what i mean yeah. and even the, with his the trailer, trailer for the trailer for real life is in and of itself yes yeah. like all of them the, the trailer a, for real life is like the 3d uh, one right where he's yeah, yeah. yeah. in 3d <laughs> yeah the trailer for uh the muse is another one where he's he basically is talking to camera and he's like scientists have proven that if we show you the movie 300 times the speed you will ingest just enough of it to need to see the full thing and so we're going to show you the whole he plays it in like 300 speed in front of the audience <laughs> i have to see that i've never seen that it's great his influence is all over i mean he feels like um a comedian's comedian. That's well put, yeah. But in a weird way, he never became like general audiences comedian, you know? Like he had opportunities to become super famous and he yeah. kind of became like um, uh, a pattern in his career that he would get offered really big things and choose to turn them down. Like when Harry met Sally. Yeah. He was met, he was supposed to do that? Mm-hmm. Wow. I can't like not think about when Harry met Sally with Albert Brooks now. I'm like, oh my gosh, it would have been. Mm-hmm. I think Stanley Kubrick is a great example. You know, a Billy Crystal is to Albert Brooks what Steven Spielberg is to Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm the commercial version of you. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm not knocking either one. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all four I... people are, all four people I've mentioned are great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned already Saturday Night Live too. He was offered the permanent hosting gig for Saturday Night Live. Yes. yes. Before it was the, the Saturday Night Live that we all know kind of in the beginnings of it. And he turned it down. He was like, I don't want to be a permanent host for something. He's an LA based person. He didn't want to he live in New, move York. To New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And he proves in, in a lot of his roles where he, in other people's movies that he does have mainstream appeal. Yeah. You know, Finding yeah. Nemo was huge for him. He actually had kind of like a late career shift where he did, you know, the sort of fatherly family yeah, film. Yeah, up too. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And then yep. he he also played some bad guys too. He plays the bad guy in Drive. Drive. Yeah. So he's he got to kind of. He's exp- a great character. He's a great character actor, and mm-hmm. you know, Drive is a great example of. He kind of was getting the roles like twenty years before Drive. Gene Hackman would have played that role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, totally. The guy that does not look like he's dangerous. Yeah. That will kill you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm sure that's exactly what interested him about it. Like, yeah, this sounds like a fun role. He was always looking to push the boundaries. I, I read some interviews with him where he just talked about how like his preferred kind of movies are movies that challenge you. He said a lot of people go yeah. to the movies to make themselves feel better. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I feel better when I see movies that challenge me because it makes me feel better about my own insecurities and my <laughs> own shortcomings. Yeah. And it seems like that was his whole MO with all of his features that he wrote and directed. Uh, he self-funded real life. It made zero money. Um, and so when he went in to make Modern Romance, Columbia Pictures funded it, $4 million. So he was really excited about that. He has a really funny quote where he was like, the financial pressure was off. I didn't have to walk into my home and say, I'm going to lose you, baby. It's been nice. <laughs> um, and while making the movie, Columbia was like very enthusiastic about it. They enjoyed all the cuts of it. But then they decided to do like a, a preview screening to get some. Oh, no. oh, no. <laughs> and of course, that went terrible. Terribly because people in the comment cards were like, this is a character that has a great job. He has a great car. He has a beautiful girlfriend. Why the fuck is he so unhappy? Why does he insist on just ruining it? And so the studio then became nervous and they were like, can you put in some sort of scene that will um, explain this to people? They really wanted him to put in like a therapist scene. Right. And Albert Brooks was like, I don't know why this man does this, you know, and (laughs) Uh, my intention is not to explain to people why people do these things. I just want to showcase that people do these things. You know what I mean? It's up to you to tell me why. I remember when it came out and it wasn't anything. Yeah. You know, it was really under the, they dumped it. It wasn't really until um, Defending Your Life that he actually had kind of like a financially successful movie because even Lost in America was a little alienating to be. It was better. Yeah. I think it made more money, but um, it wasn't it did, until yeah, Defending Your Life. It did. He was a li- and he, his character was a lot more likable. And, exactly. Yeah. And, but, but I'll tell you one thing about Lost in America, and, I only, and I've never thought of this before. The commercial for Lost in America, the clip that they showed on it, like by that time I was w- w- following him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when he would go on Letterman or he would go on The Tonight Show or in the commercial, the scene that they would show was Julie Haggerty telling him she'd lost all she their lost money. Domestic, yeah. Right. But what they did was that put Albert in a position of being every normal person. Like, yep, that's what exactly uh, what I would do yeah. if yeah. my wife told me she just lost all of our money. Right. And it made him seem like an everyman. Yeah. Relatable, mm-hmm. yeah. He went from there to broadcast news and got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. And off of that, he, he was able to do Defending Your Life. Right. Which I just watched, rewatched, and I have a one thing about that movie sticks in my craw. Hmm. What aspect which of it? Is, I do not know why Meryl Streep likes him at all. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She is besotted with him from the jump. Mm-hmm. And, and like, he why? does <laughs> yeah. nothing to earn it. <laughs> um, yeah, and notably, just... it's it's the first movie that he wrote uh, by himself. He didn't, Monica yeah. Johnson was not involved in that. Let's talk a little bit about Monica Johnson. That, that was basically like his main creative partnership throughout his career. He really yep. didn't consistently work with anybody else, except for maybe James L. Brooks. Yep. But Monica Johnson was sort of like, They were like a duo, you know, and the way he explains it is that she had just as much influence on his on-screen characters as he did. He says that they were like two two peas in a pod. They had very similar tastes and humor and that Monica had similar uh, relationship issues as him. And so like she brought, you know, she was married seven times. So that kind of tells you something, you know, so she probably brought just as much of those insecurities and neuroses to the character as he did. That's so funny. I'd never met, I'd never met Monica, mm-hmm. but we had the same business manager mm. and he never mentioned that she had been married. 
seven times. <laughs> and he would know. Uh, right. That's interesting. Yeah, they, he said that they would just get in the car. They would drive around with a tape recorder and just talk out the movie. And Albert wow. would play the parts. And he said that she was the one who was responsible for like all the great lines. And it sounds like she was probably the one who did the actual physical writing. Mm. And he would just sort of riff in the t- into the tape recorder and they would kind of right. bounce back and forth. Um, but he, he gives her tons of credit for, for the, what works about these movies. Oh, uh, that's great. Yeah. That, I mean, she clearly was a huge uh, contributor and yeah, mm-hmm. it's like you said about real life. His character is called Albert Brooks, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but people didn't realize that he's, Playing a character, yeah, yeah, like, which is you know. very quite brave of him. I mean, a lot of people compare Albert Brooks to Woody Allen, and I see the yeah, comparison. The, the, the West time, Coast, he was, he was the West Coast Woody yeah, Allen. But I've always felt that Albert Brooks is more vulnerable. I feel like Albert right. Brooks is more charming too. Like he, even in his highest like yeah, yeah. psycho sure. <laughs> like yeah. neuroses there's still something about him where i'm like weirdly rooting for him yeah. a little bit i'm like yeah. oh, okay it's almost as if in that in those early eras of woody allen and like his peak there was something going on underneath the surface <laughs> that we didn't know about interesting yeah it does but it's interesting to think about wow <laughs> it's a, a mammal a mammalian sort of yeah mm, i don't know Ugh, i'm getting that. a weird vibe <laughs> yeah 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 it's like mm. It's very true. It's very true. And with this being a movie about jealousy, a lot of people do compare this to Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. But for me, what I've I've told you this before, Corey, I think if you were to do a double feature with Modern Romance, I think the perfect movie to compare it to would be Raging Bull. Because Raging Bull is also a movie that's completely about jealousy. I mean, it's yep. the the hidden secret of Raging Bull is that it's not really about boxing at all. I would say Raging Bull is as much about boxing as Modern Romance is about editing. It's really about a- <laughs> <laughs> that's really brilliant. That's a great quote. <laughs> it's really about a man who is driving himself absolutely insane with jealousy. He's creating a whole world that doesn't exist because he thinks his wife is going to yeah. cheat on him. I've only seen the uh, the uh, broadcast network television version of Raging Bull, uh-huh. and I, to me, it's just a movie about a guy who's terrified that someone's going to meet his wife. <laughs> Did you meet my wife? Did you meet my wife? <laughs> you met my wife. Um, uh, my hot take is that I hate Raging Bull. <laughs> yeah, Corey couldn't. That's a, see, that's that really shows that's you the a, charm of Albert Brooks because yes. movies that are actually so similar in terms of how much they make you dislike the character, mm-hmm. but the charm of Albert Brooks goes yeah. such a long way in comparison to the charm of Robert. And there Durant. are movies yes. that are just even, even in, in, enlightened. Oh, self-aware, woke, far-left, liberal men. There are movies that are just for men. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you that know. is kind of what I yeah. thought about Raging Bull. I was just like, this mm-hmm. movie is making me angry, and I just, yeah. I don't like yeah. it. I don't like him. I watched a movie on the, well, coming back from our trip, I watched a movie on the plane. That's And that's a beautiful thing about being on a plane. Mm-hmm. Is that you are exposed to movies that you might not hear about because they're not in your algorithms. So right. you don't see them. This is true. Uh, called Old Henry. Oh, yeah. I saw Old Henry with uh, Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson was one of my favorite actors. Yeah. So good. And I thought that was the, one of the best movies I've I seen loved this it. year. Yeah. I loved every frame of that movie. And I just turned to my wife. I was like, I just watched the greatest movie. What? Uh, nothing. You <laughs> <laughs> called murder fist 
<laughs> Let's take a quick break and we will come right back and we will talk more about modern romance. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Cinema Possessed, and we are talking modern romance. Since this is a physical media podcast, I should say, I watched this movie on a Blu-ray Powerhouse Films Indicator series. This movie is actually not available on Blu-ray in the United States, so this is a Region 2 UK Blu-ray, but it's gorgeous. It's a great transfer. It's got a great interview with the cinematographer on here. He sort of talks about the visual style that Albert Brooks brought to this. He also was a cinematographer for real life as well. Who was it? Eric Saarinen. Mm -hmm. And then there's a great commentary from film historian and critic Nick Pinkerton, who is also just like a Brooks aficionado. So that was really oh, okay. informative to listen to. What I also love is uh, it, that's the poster yeah. mm -hmm. of the film. There was a a DVD release here where the cover is it's ghastly. I've seen it. They're on like a roller, roller coaster. coaster. Ah, yeah. roller coaster. <laughs> what is this? And then at some point when I was living with Justin's parents in Chicago, um, I went to a <laughs> thrift store. I went to like a Goodwill and they happened to have a VHS of Modern Romance there that I was like, well, I have to pick this up because it's one of my favorites. Look at this case. Have you ever seen wow. a case that has like a flap that opens up on the front that like reveals the yeah, tape inside? No. There's like a little extra cardboard on this. This is really cool. Yeah. It's a prized possession of mine. I have it sitting on a shelf for display. That is a prized possession. Uh, so this movie opens with a, um, I think a really bold breakup sequence. Mm -hmm. If you're coming into this movie expecting a romantic comedy, you, you get kind of slapped in the face. <laughs> uh, we get to meet Catherine Harold, who plays Mary. She meets Albert Brooks at the Hamburger Hamlet, and um, he immediately goes into to, they, they need to break up. I don't think that we should go out anymore. I mean, I, I just think it's over. Okay, it's over again. No, not again. This is it. This is the last time. It's for real. And you don't love me? I do love you. I mean, love has nothing to do with this. Yes, I love you. I mean, that makes it very confusing, but I just don't think, I mean... You've heard of a no-win situation, haven't you? No. No? Really no? You've never heard of one? Vietnam? This? 
I'm telling you, they're around. I think we're in one of them. I don't know, Mary. I don't know what to say. I'm trying to... I'm, I'm, I don't... I'm not doing well at it here. No, I think you've already said it. Okay. So what do you want to do this time? Well, it's not this time. This is it. This is the last time. I mean, I don't want to go through this any more than you do. And I think that this is... I mean, look, we're both free and clear. And that's the only time, I think, to do something like this. Because God knows I don't want other people coming in here. I'm not... It would kill me. I'm sure it would be hurtful to you. So I think now that we're, we are both free and clear, aren't we? Fine. Right. You're right. This is a good time. Well, wait a minute. Wait, what do you mean good time? I didn't say good time. This isn't good. I didn't use that word. Maybe we're not free and clear if you think it's good. Are you seeing somebody else? God damn it, I'm psychic. I knew it. I hate the word paranoid, but it applies here. You're seeing somebody, aren't you? You know everything. If that's what you want to believe, that's fine with me. Well, and I... don't call me. I mean it. Well, don't I'm... call me this time. Okay, fine. I won't call you. Wait a minute, though. Come back. We can at least eat. And Catherine Harold is great in this movie. She's so good. I knew her previously yeah. from the Gary Shandling show. She plays like his his wife in that show. Right. Yeah. And Catherine Harold, who went on to marry MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell. Oh wow! Oh. Did you know that they were secretly her and Albert Brooks were secretly dating during this movie, and they dated completely Not a in surprise. secret? Not a surprise. <laughs> they dated for three years, completely in secret. Um, she she there's a Letterman for, for interview. Three years, she, wow. Yeah, she tells because Letterman's like, "I loved you in Modern Romance," and she was like, "Well, I lived it." And he was like, "What do you mean?" And she was like, "Well, you know, Albert and I dated for three years, but it was a total secret." Wow! Wow! <laughs> And that was because he wanted he it to be a yeah, secret? Yeah, he, he didn't want it to, to be out. <laughs> That's His, weird that he wouldn't want it to be. He dated everybody, by the way. He dated Candace Bergen. Yeah. He, wow. He, yeah, he dated everybody. I love the opening scene, too, how she's just so like exhausted by him breaking up with her. She's just like, okay, we're going to do yeah. this again. Right like, away, you can tell this dinner. is a cycle. This is something <laughs> yeah. that happens yeah. often. This isn't a special <laughs> One of the great lines right out of the gate. There are no in scenarios. You've seen them. Vietnam. <laughs> this <laughs> they're around and i think we're in one <laughs> but the tone is played like really deadly serious you know like he's not tipping yeah. his hat he's not winking at any of the humor in it nope. so i can see how nope. uh, a, a general audience might sort of be like what movie am i watching well, also here? the way in which he calls over the waitress you immediately are just like oh he's a jackass yes. like mm -hmm. the way in which he does that yeah. just sets everything well, up the perfectly. way he orders his food too he's like very specific <laughs> butter oh god yeah <laughs> <laughs> the scene ends with her storming out and they're screaming at each other and uh, there's like this great overhead shot of the parking lot and then it fades to that title Modern Romance which I feel like is like the thesis right there and then it, and I believe the song is You Are So Beautiful, you are yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> it's a saxophone rendition of You Are So Beautiful we see that Albert Brooks's character is an editor and he works at AIP, works at American International Pictures, which is kind of like uh, Canon Films of the time. You know, it's not like the most prestigious. And you can see the movie yeah. that they're editing is like yeah, a very... Yeah, AI, AIP was before Canon. Yeah, exactly, was, yeah. AI, AIP goes back to the... Mm -hmm. I think the 50. Yeah. Well, interestingly, it actually uh, closed its doors in 1980. And so by the time this movie came out in 81, AIP done. was not even a thing. So they must have gotten in there, shot that. Yeah. You, it looks like they're probably actually shooting it at the offices because you see the big sign on the yeah. space floor. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bruno Kirby is his assistant editor. I fucking love Bruno Kirby. He's so fucking yep. funny. All, also in When Harry Met Sally. Yes. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. all these, uh, Rob and Albert just 
Yes, uh, the people they knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the fact that he's an editor in this movie because it feels so thematically correct that he, you know, an editor inherently has to sort of like over-examine everything, build things, break it down, retry it again. And that's exactly what he does like in his relationships. In this editing scene, Bruno Kirby says, the director wants changes in real too. And Albert Brooks says, I'm telling you, you can't give a director video cassettes. They'll look at it and change it every night. <laughs> and it's like, that's exactly what he, He's doing in his relationship with uh-huh. things. He's essentially just being the editor and director of his romance. That's really a brilliant observation that it never occurred to me. The thing that occurred to me was like, it, again, like you're, you're, you're behaving in a way that nobody in the audience wants to admit they behave <laughs> really, at, at a job that no one can relate to at all. <laughs> I was thinking that. No. Why does it work at JPL? (laughs) Nobody knows what an editor is. Uh, Nobody knows. It feels so inside baseball. The whole time. Well, that's the other thing. He clearly loves process and how to do things because if you watch real life, he lets you in on how they're going to shoot the the family and all the cameras Mm -hmm. and all the the gadgets that they've created for it. He clearly loves movies. Yeah, the the end. Yeah. Six were made, five worked. We have three of those. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like the space helmet. Meant to make you disappear as the cameraman. It just makes you look like an astronaut. (laughs) um, Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski just showed real life at the New Art. Just oh, nice. like, oh. like this is one of our favorite movies. We love this movie so much. Scott Alexander knows every single thing about that movie. Oh. Dude, I mean, I think, uh, did you ever watch the show um, The Rehearsal with Nathan Fielder? It, no, it's, no, I know of it. But it's I've basically it. just doing yeah. real life, you know, exactly yeah. like that. and if you watch real life, that came out 1979. So ahead of its time. So, yeah, yeah. He predicted reality television in yeah. a lot of ways with 100%, that movie. 100%. Everything about it. Bruno Kirby gives him lewds. He goes home. I mean, the, what I love about this movie, too, is it's you're just kind of following one man from one point to another to another. Yeah. Half of this movie is just like him the, by himself. the adventures of himself <laughs> by himself going through like a dark night of the soul. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he goes home. He takes the ludes. Both of them. I think this is like a bravura sequence. Yeah. I think this is the all-time best drug sequences mm-hmm. in a movie. And what's great about it is it's all performance. There's no camera trickery. Yep. They don't do any of the bullshit to like make you feel like you're high. You're just watching yep. this man slowly get higher and higher. Yep. Dana, have you ever done a Quaalude? Never done anything. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, uh, uh, honestly, I think the last time I, I got drunk once and it was, I'm sure it was before either of you were born. <laughs> <laughs> it was before this movie came out. This sequence is just filled with all sorts of hilarious stuff. Like he, when he calls Jay on the phone. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm okay. You all right? Jay, listen. I didn't tell you this before, and I think I should tell you now. I love you. I mean... In the right way, I, 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 I think you're an amazing guy, and I, and I think I just love you. The lewds kicked in, right? <sighs> the lewds kicked in. Give me some credit, will you? The lewds kicked in. Look, this has nothing to do with lewds. It's just a, it's just a person saying to another person that I love you, okay? Okay. 
I mean, sometimes you go through a whole life and you don't say it and it's too late. How many times have you wanted to say it to your parents and then your parents are in the grave and then it's too late, okay? Okay, you're right. Thank you. Okay. He he, he decides he wants to put on some music. He puts on uh, a fifth of Beethoven, that like disco. (laughs) (laughs) Music to soothe the soul. Music is the doctor of the soul. (laughs) And then like within 30 seconds, he's like, I got to turn it off. I don't like this song. I can't hear this. Also, we 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 look for connections in the movies we do, and we did Dumb and Dumber many many weeks ago. But uh, his bird is named Petey, and they have a bird named oh, Petey yeah. in Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah, so there's do. a little bit of a of a D and D connection in there. Petey, Ellen, Ellen, Ellen from out of the past. <laughs> Poor Ellen. Oh, oh and the way Ellen. he talks to her too, he's immediately just like, I have feelings for you. <laughs> and you know, I think we're going to be something special. Hello? Ellen? Yes? Robert Cole? Robert, hi. Surprised? Yeah. I know. Ellen? Hi. Hi. You know why I'm calling? No. Because I have deep feelings for you. What are you doing tomorrow night? Nothing. Okay, I want to take you out, okay? Eight o'clock? Would that be nice? Yeah, it's fine. All right, here's what I want to do. Now listen to this, because you're not going to believe it. I'm going to surprise you. It's going to be like The Price is Right. It's going to be like a game show. You don't know where we're going. I don't either, but I'm going to plan it. I'm going to plan a restaurant. I'm going to go to the beach. We're going to have a, like, I'll blindfold you. I'll pick you up. I'll handle the whole evening. And, Ellen, you're going to have the best time you've ever had in your entire life. And, Ellen... This could be serious, okay? Okay? I didn't even think you liked me. <laughs> Alan, don't be paranoid. Didn't think you liked me. There are no Please. cuts in this scene. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. There's a lot of it's long just, takes. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, just a lot because he and because he knows. You know, a very a, a director to watch that does a lot of long takes mm-hmm. and knows how to play Bill Hader. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah, on Barry. On Barry, yeah. Bill directs. Yeah, he does a lot of it. He's like not afraid. Like that fight scene, mm-hmm. that one fight scene in the second season, he just yeah. leaves it there. He's amazing. I, I was just talking yeah. to somebody that I'm I'm honestly, as much as we loved Barry, I'm sort of thrilled that he's done with it because I think he's now going to start making movies, or at least I hope he starts <laughs> he making he's gonna movies. Make a, he's going to make a horror movie. And I think he's going to be a fantastic feature director. It's yeah, so clear that his yeah. brain, his heart and soul is in movies and cinema. And I think he made one of the best television shows in recent memory yep. mm-hmm. but i'm so excited to see him now make movies you know what i mean yeah he's a good good dude and yeah then he ends up getting a phone call from this other editor named harry who is looking for a job on the new uh schlesinger movie and at first robert's like oh yeah i'll give i'll, I'll recommend it but then he's like hey how's mary doing and he's like well we broke up harry and then he's like would you mind if i like called her and he's like you're a trash can <laughs> you're mr trash can <laughs> I asked her out, you think? I mean, I don't even know if she likes me, but if she did, maybe, you know, we, I mean, do you think that'd be rude? You're a scumbag. What? You're trash. You ought to go live in an ash can. Wait, wait a what minute. What the hell do you mean, ask her out? You said you weren't even going out with her. Well, maybe I'm lying. What are you, what are you, Mr. Scumbag? Why don't you move right in? Here, I'll tell you what. I'll move out of my house. You move right in, okay? Calm down. Want my parents' number? You want to get my will? Hey, calm down, huh? all right? What do you mean, calm down? Come on, Attila the Hun. Jesus Christ, Harry, what the hell are you doing? You're Mr. Trash Can. I'm just trying Can to... Can I take her out? Why don't you find your own dates, okay? Calm down. I'm just trying to meet people. That's well, all. go go to a date 
trading service. Go to a bar. Go to some place. Don't move in on my territory. Jesus Christ. Oh, but you call me for work. <laughs> <laughs> go live in an ash can. <laughs> go back and get an ash can. <laughs> <laughs> then starts to spiral because he thinks Harry's going to go have sex with Mary. And so he decides Don't. he's got to go stop her. Don't, Don't have, have sex, sex with, with Harry. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> and this is so great because he he stumbles out of the house, he gets into his car, he turns the car on, the Queen song, Another One Bites the Dust comes on, and then he falls asleep immediately. <laughs> immediately. And then there's this great like crossfade where you just see the sun come up and he's been just sitting out there all night long with the car running. Oh, it's it's yeah. amazing. Just a just an incredible sequence. And again, very relatable. He drives a Porsche. Yes. Very relatable. Yes. I want to know where he lives. I want to find this house. It looks cool. He can find parking in front of every place he goes to in LA. Very relatable. The parking space in the end of Lost in America. Oh, yeah. Right right. Downtown New York. Does this movie give you flashbacks of just Los Angeles at this time? Does it it give you that? Yeah, Yeah, very. And you get to smell it. It was that real. uh, It was very, you know, the 70s bled into the 80s oh, yeah. Yeah. In the same way that but you know what most people think of as the 60s mm-hmm. was the early 70s right right you know g- g- people didn't get long hair and groovy until <laughs> mid mid 1968 yeah you know there's a really interesting moment in this sequence too where he he dials a number on his phone to check the time he like dials a special number yeah. that just tells him what the time was and it's like i've never seen that in a movie before it's clearly just a remnant of this very specific period where you yep. can double check the time by calling this number. Yeah. It was called the correct time. And he goes, she's always right. <laughs> I, oh God. I have a photo of m- me with the woman that I did this with. Uh-huh. And she looks exactly like Catherine, Catherine Harrell. Oh, wow. And in this photo, I have this look in my eye and my wife has seen it and she says, you look like her hostage. <laughs> <laughs> this was the actual photo. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> Your eyes. I love it. <laughs> you look very closely, just like, call the police. Oh, my God. These two people live together. <laughs> That's hilarious. They're not smiling. <laughs> you, that, this picture tells quite a story. Yes, he's punching way above his weight here. <laughs> he's way out of his weight class. Wow, she does look so much yeah. like Catherine Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That must bring yeah. you back. So yeah, he, he goes through this dark night of the soul. He wakes up the next morning. He's like, you did it. You made it through the night. And he's determined to like turn his life around. He's like, I'll be better, stronger, healthier. Vitamins. I gotta take some vitamins. <laughs> Goes to his vitamin cabinet, realizes everything is empty except for the vitamin E, but it's all been boiled together in this <laughs> one giant. <laughs> gotta get some dewey. And I love that everywhere he goes, he just tells people, I'm going through a breakup. Yeah. You know, that's the narcissism. Everybody's gotta know what he's going through. When he pulls into the thrifty store, he pulls it, he goes, I just broke up with somebody. I gotta get some gifts. <laughs> 
Uh, and then we get this insanely funny scene at the Nike store. Oh, Funkhauser. Yeah, so the employee at the Nike store is Bob Einstein, who is actually Albert Brooks's brother. Right. I can't believe I did not know that. Yeah. People would know him also from uh, Kirby Enthusiasm. He played Marty Funkhauser. He's so yes, funny. Yeah. He has a really funny voice like this. Super Dave Osborne. Yeah, also known as Super Dave Osborne. For those who don't know, Super Dave Osborne was sort of like an evil Knievel-esque comedy bit that he would do where he would mm-hmm. do these really elaborate setups to a stunt and then the stunt would go horribly wrong and it would always be like a dummy that is shown and they are super funny. He's so yeah. good in this scene. Uh, yeah, he, he spends this whole scene basically just like scheming, upselling, upselling yeah. him on literally everything. Yeah, everything. All right, well, I am serious. Here's the thing. I just broke up with somebody and I'm trying to start a new life and I feel that running should be a major part of it. You want happiness? Get away from the box. Come over here. What size shoe do you wear? 11D. You're a lucky man. I get one left. It's the best we got. $50. This whole box is 70 I mean, isn't this a lot for just shoes? Those shoes are made out of old tires. Is that the way you want to start your new life? No. All right, I'll take these. Good choice. I'll try them on. No, you don't have to. That's the beauty of them. They're guaranteed to fit if they don't bring them back. Okay. Okay, sweats. Uh, I'm 6'4". What are you, about 5'11"? I'm six feet. Okay, how do you like these? Pretty nice. $75. Oh, uh, that, that's too expensive. I don't think, I mean, that's, that's expensive. I got cheaper stuff, but if you sweat in it, you get a skin rash. All right. Well, I'll take this. Take them? Okay, yeah. you'll need two. That's 150 No, no, no. Why? Wait, that, I'll take one. I don't want two. What are you going to do if one's in the wash? <laughs> Maybe I won't run that day. I misjudged you. I'm not perfect. Buy the box. You'll like it. No, 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 no. It's all right. I'm, I'm, I'll take these. You sure? Yeah. That's so funny. Get away from the box. (laughs) Want to start your life over? Yes. Get away from the box. Okay. (laughs) A wrist wallet to keep your money? Well, why do I need that? Where are you going to keep your money? Well, doesn't this have pockets? Yeah, but this is better. Okay. (laughs) I will run that day. I misjudge you. I'm not perfect. Buy the box. You'll like it. And this uh, this uh, is kind of like a family affair movie because when he calls his mom in the movie, that is Albert Brooks's actual mom on the phone. Oh, God. And Albert Brooks's other brother, Cliff Einstein, is one of the guys right. in the sound booth. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of getting the whole family involved. Yeah. Yep. And then, yeah, he goes on this date with Ellen. Who he admits he doesn't even Ellen. he doesn't even remember. He picks her up. He he gets in the car. He starts driving. They don't say a word to each other. And the, the song comes on the radio. A special request for a for a romantic <laughs> one out there. And it's Michael Jackson's. She's out of my life. <laughs> I think this is the best Michael Jackson needle drop in any movie. He has this long, like minute long build up as oh, they're just driving. So awkward silence. What you realize is he's taking four right turns. <laughs> Just driving in a big circle, pulls right back up to her house. It is hysterical. This scene made me think like, oh, we, and you know, it's crazy. Jack and I have been together since we were 17 and 18 years mm-hmm. old. I'm like, we've never had to go on a bad date before. But this made me uh, be like, oh, I'm so grateful. Because I don't even know. Yeah, if I was Ellen, I would have just jumped not, out of the car. Not yeah. much. <laughs> and we, we did it's have nothing to miss. Very much like this. We did break up one time in the middle For of our relationship. all of six hours. And we both did like the next morning like, I'm sorry. <laughs> we don't want this. God. Oh, God. Very, very. Dana, your Albert Brooks impression is 
is it's so awesome. good. It's, it's wild. Not, uh, <laughs> I am doing Kevin Pollock doing Albert Brooks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's spot on. It is spot on. <laughs> Pollock has amazing, amazing impressions. We got to meet yeah. uh, when Justin and I were working at Funnier Die. We got to meet Pollock and work with him on a, a Columbo parody called Shark Lumbo. And he, <laughs> sure. he of sure course, did. did the voice of Peter Falk. Yeah. And he was fucking oh, great. He used to leave. I mean, we were both comedians. I've known him for a long time. He used to leave answering machine messages as Alan Arkin. I'd just come home oh, and I'd say, boy, boy, Dana, boy. <laughs> Kevin Polly gave me a number and he told me to call you and I don't know why I call you and now I'm on the floor. I'm uncomfortable now. Uh, <laughs> how do I hang up? Like, how do I end this? Boy, boy, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Rest in peace, Arkin. I, I wonder if he'll oh, leave yeah, you a message right, from yeah, beyond yeah, the grave. <laughs> Uh, Dave Osborne, uh, Dave Einstein, uh, Bob Einstein, rest in peace. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then there's a sequence where he drives around town. He basically drives in circles, waiting for Mary to come home. And I love this sequence because it starts to feel a little bit like a horror movie here. This is when it turns. <laughs> there's like this like. moment where he he keeps going and checking his messages on a payphone, and he drives up to this payphone, and there's this old man already at the phone. And he's talking to somebody and you get a little glimpse of this old man's conversation where he says like, he's there, isn't he? I I knew it. I wasn't born yesterday. And the music gets kind of creepy and you see that like, this is another man just like Albert Brooks who is in the fits of a jealous rage and they're all just circling the same fucking phone booth. That's amazing. I forgot. I totally forgot about that. That's so true. And the music gets like creepy. There's like, do, 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 I kind of love the idea in the in the meta sense that the comedy movie bumped into another horror movie. Yes, Yes, that's totally what feels like is happening. Yes. And by the end of this movie, it does start to feel like, is this going to turn into like Star 80 or something? Like, is he going to murder <laughs> when they go up to the camp? Yes, yeah. yes. It feels like it's going to turn into like Sleepaway Camp yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he comes home, he checks his messages, and she's like, I love the giraffe. She gets back together with him. So you, yeah. right then and there, you kind of know like, okay, there's something. This is their game. This is a game. Yeah, exactly. Like she's probably got a little crazy in her too. She probably likes the oh, attention sure. of this. She could just like avoid this man at all costs, but she keeps coming back to him. That's kind of like the end of like the, this long running sequence that I think is just some of the best filmmaking I've ever yeah. fucking seen. Um, yeah. And it's just like, boom. Yes. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Like just great joke after great uh, joke after great joke. Hysterical. Yeah. Uh, and then we get some of like the behind the scenes stuff. How, how do you feel in general just about these behind the scenes, the editing the scenes, B, the sound the design? The B story, I mean, it's really interesting because I think of this movie and I completely forget about the B story. Mm-hmm. It's almost like another movie. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, here's the purpose that it serves. It, it's, a, a breather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, true. You, mm-hmm. you get to step away from what's going totally. on with Al, with uh, Robert and Mary. Mm-hmm. It is so unrelatable <laughs> to anybody that's not in show business. Well, yeah, um, to anyone who's not in show business, to me, it's yeah. extreme. Oh, no, to me, I'm, I'm like, I, I am Geeking like in out. a fetal position <laughs> yes. watching. I mean, I still, you know, when we were cutting the stand where mm-hmm. I was like, in the booth space floor. Yeah. I mean, like, but 
How many people spend a lot of time in an editor? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one of the things that, that impressed me about it when I first saw the movie because I was already a huge film freak. And so I was like, this movie is like giving you a glimpse of what it's like to be a filmmaker, mm -hmm. specifically what it's yeah. like to be an editor. Um, you can tell he's really interested in this stuff. And it allows you a chance to kind of get on his side a little bit because you, in one of these sequences, you see him actually make a improve a scene. He actually yeah. edits the scene and, and actively makes it better. And then the director, James L. Brooks, comes in, sees what he did, and he's like, what did you do there? This feels wrong. <laughs> and just totally makes him redo the whole, put, put it back the way yeah. it was. He's like, but I took out that cheesy line. He's like, but I like that line. Uh, James L. Brooks is so funny oh, in this so role. Funny in this movie. I, I remember telling James L. Brooks, I, I went into work and he was there and I went, oh my God, I watched Modern Romance uh, just the other night. And he goes, I'm in that movie. <laughs> I, I know. Uh -huh. I told you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Did you... Um, and, and he's in real life. He's in real life. Very mm -hmm. briefly. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. clearly like close friends with each yeah, other. very good friends. Yeah, uh, yeah. He casted uh, Albert Brooks in Broadcast News, of which he got nominated for an Oscar. He yeah. also put him in um, uh, I'll Do Anything. Did you ever see I'll Do Anything? I have seen I'll Do Anything. Have you seen the musical cut of I'll Do Anything? I've, I've not seen the musical oh. cut. I have seen the musical cut. <laughs> with the songs by Prince? Yes. So for people who don't know... I'll Do Anything is a movie that was written and shot as a musical, but then they realized after they edited it and tested it <laughs> that like, this is, we, none of us want this to come out. So they actually cut out all the musical numbers and released the movie just as a straight film. It is it, no music. And when you watch the real cut of it, I actually, we enjoyed the movie. We, we did. We, we, we were did. sort of like, this is a pretty fun movie. And then I was like, I've got to track down the musical cut because I can't even imagine it. I didn't even know it was a, that that was available. So basically, there was a work print of the actual musical cut, right? That then was put on VHS tape and was passed around uh, amongst the tape heads. There's a video store here called Cinephile, and they have burned that onto a DVD, and you can <laughs> Is that actually the one by the New Art. That's one by New Art, yeah. Okay, you can rent right. it there, and I believe it, it's free because it's a bootleg. So they, I don't think they can legally charge you for right it. they can't charge you yeah yeah, yeah. and so oh, wow. i found out that they had it there and i tracked it down and it is a journey it's a journey <laughs> it's a journey, a journey because it's the the musical numbers don't compute well like they, they're but you get to see are, they, Brooks. are there also dance numbers oh yes it's, it's a full-blown like busby berkeley musical numbers <laughs> all throughout this movie albert so brooks crazy. sings one of the songs it's yeah. fascinating i highly recommend anybody who's interested watch the real movie first because yeah. you may not be impressed if you just watch the musical but when you compare it to what they did i think they actually did save the movie by cutting out Absolutely, the musical numbers sure. but just another fascinating little hollywood story about editing you know that you can really change a film yeah. with it with the editing well there's a supposedly the original annie hall was a murder mystery really really yeah and there's a book called when the shooting stops the cutting starts wow. and it might have been yeah like manhattan murder mystery is sort of like what annie hall was originally was gonna be Whoa. Mm -hmm. yeah wow i had no clue yeah i can't and yeah. again i can't even imagine like yeah. i can't imagine yeah. there suddenly being a murder mystery <laughs> stuck into annie hall yeah it's weird and James L. Brooks is so funny, too, because he gets really focused on certain details. Mm -hmm. Like he, he's obsessed with the sound of the floor and the footsteps. He believes it's going to save the picture. <laughs> and then they go to this party sequence where George Kennedy is there. And, yeah. and James L. Brooks is like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to introduce you to George Kennedy, but I want you to look at his feet so we can figure out what the sound of his footsteps <laughs> <was."> <laughs> 
<laughs> Such a funny detail. At that party sequence, uh, we meet George Kennedy. We meet Meadowlark Lemon, which That's I had. Right, Meadowlark Lemon is in this movie. Who, who is a Harlem Globetrotter. I had to find a way to put Meadowlark Lemon into my intro song because I was like, I can't not put Meadowlark Lemon in my intro. Unless we cover the movie The Fish Who Saved Brooklyn or something. The Fish Who Saved Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, that's right, Pittsburgh. So glad I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Little known fact, hmm. directed by Stanley Kubrick. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, huh? George Kennedy tells this story at the party about how he went to the wrong set. And the, and he went to the wrong set. <laughs> yeah, James L. Brooks thinks it's so funny. He's like, you got to tell that on Griffin. It's a terrible story. It's a terrible story. <laughs> it's a- and, Jim, and Jim Brooks is like, tell the story. Tell well, he, went, he went in the car. He, just, he won't let him tell the story. Yeah. And it's so funny because then Albert Brooks has to sort of like after it's over, be like, yeah, I get it. It's funny because you went to the wrong thing. Thing. Yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. It is funny. <laughs> it does remind me, did did we ever tell you our like embarrassing Rob Cohen story? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so Rob Cohen knows this. So for, for those listening, Rob Cohen is a writer, director. He he yeah. worked with he's good friends with Dana. He's worked with him on many yeah. things. We directed half of season two of Standing It's Evil, and Rob Cohen directed the other half. So going right. into season two, we were told by somebody, maybe IFC, maybe you, that like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna try to get a bigger name director to come in and do that second half of the season. So that somebody that, floated that the name. I said another one, but I didn't say bigger name. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody who's like done some horror films. I think like Rob Zombie had maybe been floated out there. And so we're like, okay, let us know who who it's going to be. A couple months go by and then we get an email from IFC and they're like, hey, Jack and Justin, we want to set up a dinner between you and Dana and Pete at IFC and the new director, Rob Cohen. The only Rob Cohen that we knew was the director was the Dragon sl- Dragon Dragonheart yeah, and Dragon yeah, the yeah. Bruce Lee story and Fast <laughs> yeah. and Furious and we're like, oh wow, they really did yeah. get like a bit like a, we know who that is. It's a big name. But then we started like Googling him just to sort of see and the the stuff we found out about that Rob Cohen is that he's a difficult very man. unsavory. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, hmm, do they know what they're getting themselves into here? A ladies' man in all the wrong yes. ways. Yes. We walk into this dinner. You haven't arrived yet. We go into the restaurant. Pete from IFC is there, big empty table, and sitting beside him is this skinny man in glasses, <laughs> sitting literally right beside him to his left. Now, we're going in looking for a jacked, bald man in probably like a right. motorcycle jacket or something. like That's what right, the other yeah. Rob Cohen looks like. And you met Milhouse. <laughs> exactly. And w- the crazy thing is, is we had actually met Rob Cohen at one of your parties at your house, but so we recognized him, <laughs> but we didn't know who he was. And because oh, he was funny. sitting right next to Pete, we just assumed he was like an IFC stooge. <laughs> well, in a way, he was. <laughs> and we walk up to the table, and everybody gets up and shakes hands. Nobody introduces him to us. And so we sit down, we're waiting for you to arrive. We're shooting the shit, and Justin leans into Pete and says, so before everybody gets here, tell us about this Rob Cohen guy. Oh, my God. What, what do we need to know? <laughs> Little do we know he's literally sitting right in front of us. <laughs> yeah. Pete thinks we're, oh my God. Pete must think we're doing a bit because he just jumps right. in along with it and he's like, oh, let me tell you about Rob Cohen. He is a character. You're going to want to watch out for that guy. <laughs> and we're literally like, yeah, because we've like read some stuff. <laughs> and so Pete just starts talking about him as if he's not sitting right beside him. So we have right. no clue. We still think he's talking about the other Rob Cohen. And oh my God. He's, he's, oh, that's a perfect storm. Because <laughs> Because Pete also not a typical executive. Yes. He's 
very creative and funny yes. and he's a writer as well. It's like you and and those two guys are thick as thieves. So there's this is a meal for people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's loving it. And he's telling us about him and also dropping in other jokes about how he's like hard to work with kind of stuff. But then he starts saying things that start to make me think differently. He, first he says that he's good friends with Rob Cohen. I was like, okay, he is. And then he said Dana's longtime friends with Rob Cohen. So I'm like, Dana knows Rob Cohen? <laughs> and then he says, and rumor has it, he was the inspiration for Millhouse at The Simpsons. And suddenly I look over at the guy sitting next to Pete and I think, that guy kind of looks like Millhouse. <laughs> and then I realize yeah. that that guy looks a little bit nervous. Oh. <laughs> like he's kind of sitting there, like kind of half laughing, but also is like sweating and looks nervous. And it suddenly dawns on me, that's Rob Cohen. And he probably thought you were trying to like buck up he to him He thinks we're something. like playing a power game on him or something. And so now the gears are like spinning in my mind of like, how do I tell Justin that we are at the table with Rob Cohen? He's not about to walk in here. Thankfully, you walk in right at that moment everybody's attention turns to you. I use it as a chance to turn to Justin to like give him the look. And Justin's already giving me the look like, that's fucking right. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. And so everybody sits back down at the table. And I think it was Justin who just immediately leaned in and it was like, all joking aside, like we're really excited to work with you and kind of saved it. So they just thought we were doing a bit, but we felt so guilty about it that literally that night we, we reached out to Rob and we we're like, can we get a drink tomorrow? And we just told him like, we're just like, sorry if we were he's fucking weird. He's like the weird. nicest guy The nicest ever, guy. Too. Yeah, he's a very nice guy. We yeah, were like, sorry if we were weird last night. We completely thought we were expecting to see a different <gasps> Rob Cohen. He, well, he used to get a lot of that Rob Cohen's mm -hmm. residual checks. Oh, oh. I bet you yeah, those are like, some good checks. <laughs> yeah, he's he's had... So he knows what it's like to be confused with that guy. <laughs> Man. Rob Cohen directed the episode of Stand Against Evil I did. That's true. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. You've worked that's with Rob right. Cohen. Yeah. And he went on. He's been directing uh, Somebody Somewhere. Oh, mm, uh, nice. oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I've Enjoy only seen love. the first season, but I love that show. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Good for yeah. him, man. Yeah, yeah did that. And a monkey talk show on YouTube. So it's not like everything is going great. <laughs> Highs and lows, highs and lows. Highs and lows. Highs and lows. Then we get this hilarious sequence where Albert Brooks is having to record Foley for the movie that he's working on. What is this track called? Hulk running. It should be called Hulk screaming. <laughs> Write that down. That's the effect. I want to get some kind of pounding, some kind of uh, noise when he's coming through that corridor, like he's running hard and heavy. Pounding, I guess, is what I want. Pounding. Do you have any stock stuff that's good? Why don't you try to put in the Hulk? Yeah, we should hear that. Let's that could work. Let's try the Hulk. The Hulk's too slow. Well, we have Hulk running, don't we? Hulk running. Let's try that. Even running is too slow. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's try it. Maybe we'll get lucky, okay? Put up the Incredible Hulk on effects number three. What do you want, Buzz? Standard Hulk? No, Hulk running. Oh, no. Let's hear what this sounds like. All right. I think it's a waste of time. Good. We'll see it. Okay, let's go. I told you, it's too slow. Too slow? Forget that. The guy's screaming. Didn't say that. It said Hulk running. Well, write in Hulk screaming. That's the effect. It's <laughs> 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 
So it, Albert Brooks does a lot more jealousy stuff. He ends up convincing Mary to go to Idlewild with him to this cabin. Yeah, this is the point in the this movie. This is when it's a straight up horror. Really, because there's these like, they're driving up to Idlewild and he leans in to kiss her and she's like, well, watch the road. And he goes on this thing about like, well, a kiss is more important than life, right? <laughs> you can agree to that. If there's anything you could agree with that a kiss is more important than life. <laughs> it's so, it's so, and yeah, it, the, the, that whole middle chunk of the movie is just him being a completely insane A lunatic, person. a total yeah. psychotic. And there's these yeah. really ominous shots that just kind of show the car driving across the frame and they're sort of silent and it feels like it's building up to this horror movie ending. They get to the cabin she wants to make a phone call. She wants to call her friend and just let her know she's there. And of course, the second she leaves, he's like spying on her out the windows. And these shots of him in the windows, it, there's not a lot of close-ups in this movie, but the one big close-up you get is this shot of him staring out the window at her in the phone booth. And it is lit like a Friday the 13th movie. And he's got this <laughs> yeah. look on his face like, I'm going to kill her if I find out what she's doing. And so yeah. it really feels like this movie could turn into a guy murders a girl. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She comes back in. Hi, honey. Hi. Welcome back. That's a nice fire. Thank you. Come over here for a minute. Sit down. You seem happy. I am happy. But I mean, you seem happier since the phone call. What do you mean? Who'd you call? Susan, what are you talking about? The other morning when I was staying at your house, I, I accidentally came across your phone bill. And who would you call in New York at 11 o'clock at night, which would be 2 in the morning there, and talk for an hour, and then call at 7 in the morning and talk for another hour? I mean, are you in love with somebody in New York? Why don't you just York? go through the rest of my fucking mail? No, I wasn't going through... Honey. Just a minute. Just a minute. Would you wait a minute? I was not looking through your mail. I was looking for a razor, okay? If you really wanted to know anything about me, I'd tell you. But you don't want to know anything anyway, so what the hell difference does it make who I call? Look, it's just sometimes we have difficulty finding a level on which to communicate. Well, we will never find a level on which to communicate. All right, stop it. Let's not yell out here. Mary, there, there's, that's full of snakes. Now, come on, come back here. The character is such a textbook narcissist <laughs> where he literally says, why don't you go through the rest of my fucking mail? He's like, I'd want you to go through my oh, mail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have this, they have a conversation in the middle of the movie of like, she's like, I think you get real love mixed up with movie love. And he's like, I, I've never seen a movie do what I do. I, <laughs> but also I would want you to do that for me. Like, don't you think that is love? Uh, so his yeah. whole idea, this is expressing love to him. No is, manipulative at all. <laughs> And then she's eventually like, I don't think we should do this anymore. I don't think we should go together anymore. This is too painful for me. I can't do this. It's over. And then he goes, marry me. <laughs> and she's like, what? And he's like, I think we would have beautiful children. This is, this is just what people do. We're doing what every couple does. This is it. <laughs> he proposes to her. And of course... She's crazy too, so she's like, "Okay, uh, I'll marry you." Yeah, that's the thing is they're both insane. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, and the movie ends with them 
going into the bedroom to have sex because that's the other thing the movie keeps sort of nailing in is they have great sex. Yeah. And so all of this yeah. fighting and stuff usually gets resolved it's by them having play. sex. Well, as I say, <laughs> I had this relationship <laughs> and really. everything tra- everything trash. Yes. <laughs> you know, it is, it, no, but I'm like, I'm not being like unsavory. It It is like you get, I maybe the dysfunction mm-hmm finds its outlet in a certain way and it and it's almost like we're both trying to kill each other yeah yeah and we know and, couples and, who are like that yes. are constantly yeah. together breaking up fighting in the that heated electricity yeah. of the aggression yeah. and the and the and the narcissism and the jealousy that's just built into their relationship mm-hmm. in a in a very deep way yeah yeah. And then, yeah, the movie has a final title card where it says, Robert and Mary were married three weeks later in Las Vegas, Nevada. Then a beat, and then it says, they were divorced the following <laughs> month. Yeah. And then another beat, they are currently dating with plans to remarry. Plans to remarry. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Currently dating with plans to remarry. As the actual Joe Cocker song, You Are So Beautiful, plays. Right, right, oh, right, God. right. And, and I, again, like that relationship in my personal life. <laughs> I married the next person I dated. Right. Whoa. Because it was just like... I can't do this again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just something that was so different. Sure. Yeah, they they mm-hmm. were so different. And it was just like, we go like a whole month without breaking up. I was like, oh my God. This is crazy. This is <laughs> I'm not in the cycle of pain anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We went a whole month. Yeah. We had a disagreement and it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's take one more break and we'll come right back with final thoughts on modern romance. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.
Welcome back to Cinema Possess, and we are talking final thoughts on Albert Brooks's 1981 masterpiece. Yes. Uh, Corey, I'm going to start with you. What are your final thoughts on modern romance? I love this movie. It stresses me out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I Albert Brooks is I I wish there was like an actor like him now. Yeah. Like, I don't know if there is like. You know, the, Justin and I have written now multiple scripts where we have written a character where in our minds we were picturing a young Albert Brooks mm-hmm. as the character, mm-hmm. yep. but we didn't have yep. anybody contemporary. And so we we always find ourselves in the position when we're pitching the movies, we're talking to people about it, they go, oh, who would you cast in it? And we get we sort of draw a blank because it's like, who is a contemporary actor that can Gives do that yeah that Albert has the is there anybody you can think of that has the vibes of Albert Brooks nowadays uh, yeah, like this era you know 1981 era Albert Brooks well taking taking Twitter off the page I think it would be interesting to see if Jonah Ray could do this oh yeah mm-hmm. mm, yeah um, I could see that yeah. Another person that popped in my mind was um, Jason Bateman. I feel like I've seen Jason Bateman have some Brooks and Brooks yep. qualities yeah, that's true. in his performance. Yeah, Jason Bateman. Like Jason Jason Bateman in Ozark is not far from yeah, Albert yeah. Brooks. That's so true. And uh, yeah. have you seen the show Dave on FX? No, but I know that I know who you're talking about. Lil Dicky. He's yeah. got a he's got his own vibe, but there's also times when I'm like, he's sort of I just reminding me of like a young Albert Brooks. Probably the closest to a young Albert Brooks yeah. right now. Because even in that show, Dave, his character is very Albert Brooks. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was an Albert Brooks fan. Based yeah, on for his sure. Show. Um, but I love this movie. The you know all of these Albert Brooks, the like his first four, mm-hmm. I feel like are very nostalgic to me because you showed me all of these movies. Um, I call them the life cycle. Starts with real life, ends with defending your life. Yeah, oh, funny. first four. All masterpieces. Yeah, they do, it does feel like a comedy masterpiece, which I feel like. For me, there's not, I mean, I don't know. That's not even true. But a comedy masterpiece is like something, it, it's like on another level because it feels yeah. <laughs> it feels like drama. Mm-hmm. This is probably not fair, but I'm like, okay, there's so many perfect drama movies that you feel yeah, like, right. but like a perfect comedy is harder to come by. And I feel like all of those first, the life cycle mm-hmm. um, Albert Brooks movies feel like perfect comedies to yeah. me. So... Yeah, I'm I, always I, trying to I get people to watch more. it. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and yeah, there are five or six perfect comedies, probably, you know. And of those, not all of them are still funny. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. They're like, well, Duck Soup is a masterpiece, but I don't mm-hmm. laugh at everything in Duck Soup anymore. Right. Um, it's also, to me, this movie, it is, I mean, it's like a Kubrick movie in the sense that it's more challenging than satisfying. Yeah. 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 Nobody walks out of. 2001 like oh, that was great yeah. <laughs> um, but I would say that Stanley Kubrick made one of the other perfect comedies I, I mean I think Dr. Strangelove is a perfect yes, comedy yes. and and uh, Barry Lyndon is it, also very it, funny too Barry Lyndon is very funny it's underrated mm-hmm. people don't realize how funny it is mm-hmm. um, supposedly and I have to say I've never seen it Eyes Wide Shut is inadvertently really funny it is very funny you gotta see it yeah. it's great I think it, I think he left he left another masterpiece, and that movie came out yeah. after he died. He didn't even really get to see yeah. the release wow. of that movie. It's Somebody crazy. said he made Tom Cruise walk through a door ninety times, <laughs> <laughs> and that Tom Cruise got an ulcer from that movie. Who's like Mister? Con- I'm in control. Yeah, of yeah. you know, I, n- I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but it would not shock me if Albert Brooks was a big, a lot of takes kind of director too. I, yeah, I, I'd I don't be know. Very yeah, curious. I don't know. He didn't have Stanley's budget. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, he didn't have the film. 
Um, yeah, yeah, this is a masterpiece. This is one of my top five favorite films. And of his masterpieces, mm-hmm. this is the one that I think is the most satisfying in terms of the story as a beginning and a middle and an end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, uh, Lost in America got a little... Uh, it peaks see, a little early. It peaks a little early, kind of runs out of story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Defending Your Life, I didn't buy yeah. the main conceit, but there's so many great things in there. Yeah, Defending Your Life um, still has that magic, but it feels like he's going a little into that more mainstream comedy territory. I, I It's hard for me to watch Mother and the muse just because when you compare them to these first four yeah. they just it kind of makes me sad a little bit just cuz they're just not as good to me and they're a little yeah, bit yeah, broader and they're a little softer they don't have they're not as cutting they're not as challenging like you say like i love this yeah. challenging version of albert brooks yeah yeah i agree and i and i you could who knows why they're the way they yeah. are and there's great stuff in all of yeah. you even know, uh, looking for comedy in the muslim world i think is great yeah yeah, there's some really. I have one of my favorite jokes of his is in that movie mm-hmm. where uh, he's interviewing the guy and he goes, "What makes you laugh?" He goes, "I like it when an animal does something a human would do, like when a chicken mails a letter." <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking oh, great. So good. Um, <laughs> when a chicken mails a letter. <laughs> And as for my Blu-ray, I am absolutely keeping this. It is a beautiful Blu-ray from Powerhouse Films Indicator Series. You couldn't ask for a better version of this movie out there. Uh, And I'm going to keep my VHS copy as well because I love this fucking movie. Yes. Well, now that we've said everything there is to say about modern romance, what do you say we play? The Albert Brooks turned it down. Turned it down. Oh, gosh. Quiz. <laughs> That's right. You heard that correctly. We're playing the Albert Brooks Turned It Down quiz. So Albert Brooks has turned down more successful movies than most actors have ever made. So we're going to see if you two can guess all the movies. All of them. Yeah. Okay. Question number one. Albert Brooks turned down the lead role in this romantic comedy because he thought the script felt too much like a Woody Allen movie. Is it A, Roxanne? B, Sleepless in Seattle, C, Lost in Translation, or D, When Harry Met Sally? D, When Harry Met Sally? You got it. Because Dana already told yeah, that to me. He gave me the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But wait, there's more. But by the way, and telling his best friend no yeah. because he thinks his script is derivative. <laughs> I mean, like, wow. And when Harry Mattelli is probably my favorite movie. It's a movie that's I great. mean it's my favorite movie. It's probably. great. But also it is it is that. Yes. It's the it's the it's the it's the family friendly Woody Allen yeah. Toby. It's you know, it's the uh, you know, there was always uh the, the example is uh when Harry Met Sally is to Annie Hall what Dennis Leary is to Bill Hicks. Like, <laughs> this is the kind of soft yeah, yeah. or easy yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And for somebody he's who... not really angry. He's just he's mad at Starbucks. <laughs> it's nothing real. And for somebody like Albert Brooks who had just been compared to Woody Allen his whole career, I'm sure he's like, I don't yeah, want to do that. Might have been I don't want to yeah. touch something that feels like it's derivative. Yeah. Alright, question number two. Which 1980s action buddy comedy did Albert Brooks turn down? Was it A, 
Midnight Run. B. Dragnet. C. 48 Hours. Or D. Lethal Weapon. Mm, Lethal Weapon? You're trash. I'm going to say Midnight Run. You got it. And you know who wanted the other role in Midnight Run? Hmm. And they wouldn't and they wouldn't give it to him. Who? And he wanted it. Who? Robin Williams. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Groden is fucking great though. <laughs> no, it's pitch perfect. You lied to me for you lied to me first. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Groden is also a huge part of real life too. Like, re- that's he's so funny so, in that movie. Those two guys on screen together, mm-hmm. man. Like, talk about like that. that that's gorgeous to watch. Yes. It, it, it is like two virtuosos. Mm-hmm. Like, you get two virtuosos. Yeah. Like these, both of these guys can do it. The Heartbreak Kid. Do you ever see the Heartbreak Kid? The first one. Yeah, the original one. Yeah. Um. So the, with with Groden, that would also be another good Albert Brooks if if he he could do that role really yeah. well too. Yeah. Bonus points. Which other? There's actually two of these movies that he turned down. One of them was Midnight Run. Can you guess the other? Between Dragnet and Forty Eight Hours. I feel like Dragnet, right? Dragnet. Yeah. You yeah. got it. Yeah, because he's friends with Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. Wow. He was offered both of those movies. That's crazy. Question number three. Albert Brooks passed up the lead role in what fantastical comedy that would go on to earn two Academy Award nominations? Was it A? Big, B, Groundhog Day, C, What Women Want, or D, Stranger Than Fiction. I'm gonna say Big because I think did Penny Marshall direct? She big? did, and you are correct. Really, it. it was Big. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. they're tight. Yep, and he he was quoted as saying, "I'm not interested in playing children right now." <laughs> But also, that was like that was one of those things where it's like David Niven turning down James Bond, so they went with Sean Connery. <laughs> it's like, I think you ended up yeah. doing getting the right guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Question number four: Brooks said no to what successful rom com that would eventually star a noted pretty boy? Mm. Was it A. Pretty Woman? B. Jerry Maguire? C. Meet Joe Black? Or D, Notting Hill. What was A again? Pretty Woman. Uh, that's my guess. You got it. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. You got it. He said when he got that script, he was the only person that Julia Roberts wasn't involved and he thought it was hokey. Well, now you watch it and, and you just go, this is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Very messed up. Yeah. 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 Nothing. Yeah. Not, this, is a, this is one of those that like you look at and you go, no. Yeah. <laughs> Like Soul Man. (laughs) Corey has three. Dana has two. Wow. Tight race. Tight race. Corey has three and I have two where, well, you do the math, but we're close. (laughs) Question number five. While the two are often compared, Woody Allen actually offered Albert Brooks the lead role in which of his films before taking the part himself? Was it A, Mighty Aphrodite? B, Deconstructing Harry, C, Crimes and Misdemeanors, or D, Small-Time Crooks? Tough one. I I only know Crimes and Misdemeanors. You gotta go live in an ash can. Okay. I'm I'm just guessing it was the last one. Small-Time Crooks? You're Mr. Trash Can. It was Deconstructing Harry. I've never even heard of that that. movie. 
I haven't seen Deconstructing Harry. Oh, it's, no, it's it's good. It it's it's good. Yeah. But again, I believe Deconstructing Harry is the one where Mia Sorvino plays a hooker. It's like, there's, always, there's a woman in it. Well, she then she's clearly a prostitute. Yeah. yeah. Do they have other jobs? Just a quick stop. My wife was in. She's not an actress, but she trained as an actor. Uh-huh. She was in Mike Nichols' class at the whatever oh, wow. that thing was in New York. Mm-hmm. They did an improv where. She was, uh, it was a guy and a girl. So the guy goes, uh, well, look, you're a prostitute. And, and Mike Nichols goes, stop. Let's, let's, let's try a little harder. <laughs> and he literally went, hello, mom. Oh, God. <laughs> Those are the only two things a woman could do. Get out of class. Get out of class. <laughs> let's try a little harder. Question number six, still three to two, Corey's lead. Scheduling conflicts forced Albert Brooks to turn down the lead role in which racy 90s film? Was it A, Striptease, B, Boogie Nights, C, Basic Instinct, or D, Eyes Wide Shut? I'm going to say Boogie Nights. You got it. The Burt Reynolds role. And he wanted to do it, but he was, um, he was doing Mother. He loved the script. He really wanted oh. to work with P.T. Anderson. <laughs> And uh, but he couldn't make it work oh. because he had to shoot mother. <laughs> he should have done. That. I know. <laughs> can you imagine? I mean, Burt Reynolds is fucking great in Boogie Nights, but can you imagine if it was Albert Brooks? Uh, yeah. And also, Mother is a great example of how his view of relationships in movies changed from modern romance. Mm. At the end of Mother, he meets a woman at a gas station that's a fan of his. So right away, it's like yeah. <laughs> oh, she's the perfect woman. Yeah. I don't even know her and she loves her. You know, it's like, My um, problem with Mother is that he gives all the funny stuff to his mother and he plays like more of the straight man and it just doesn't quite click for yeah, me. Yeah. Like, and you know who he wanted to play, his mother? Who? And who considered it? Nancy Reagan. Oh, Whoa. interesting. It's an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately... What would Carrie Fisher's mother... Okay, it's a tie game. Final question. Whoever gets this, this one. Only, this can only be solved with hammers. <laughs> Final question. Albert Brooks turned down the lead role in what inspirational school drama? Was it A, Goodwill Hunting? B, Scent of a Woman? C, Dead Poet Society? Or D, Whiplash? Whiplash? You're a scumbag. I'm just gonna guess Goodwill Hunting. You're trash. You have two more options on the board. Oh, Scent of a Woman or Dead Poet Society? Dead Poet Society. You got it. Corey wins the <laughs> yeah. Albert Brooks turned it down quiz. <laughs> he turned it down and Robin yep, got it? Robin got wow. it. Wow. Mm-hmm, but he was originally offered. Why did he turn that down? You know, that's part of his thing. He's I don't think he wanted fame, to be honest. Like I think I think he could see sometimes the writing on the wall that like this might put me in an echelon of fame that I don't want to have. You know? Where you, well, I think what it is where I'm gonna lose control of my life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think he kind of liked being a little bit of an outsider. 
And he always was, you know, he was an outsider and everything. When he, just when he started to become a he famous, just when he started to become a famous stand-up comedian, he quit doing stand-up comedy altogether because he f- was too stressed out by it. He didn't like telling the yeah. same jokes every night. He had like one didn't like touring. Yeah, yeah, he had one bad experience on tour, and he was like, "I'm not doing it again." But at that time, people were writing about him saying he's probably the smartest, funniest stand-up comedian we have right now. And he just walked away from. Oh, well, that's that's a kiss of death right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But there's another guy. There's another guy who hits watermelons with a yeah, hammer, exactly. <laughs> and he's got a brother too. Pretty yeah. good. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> well, Dana, thank you so much for being here. This was amazing oh, to be able to great. talk about yeah. this movie with you. Incredible to talk Albert Brooks with you. It's like there's nobody else we could have had oh, on I to go, go. I could go on and <laughs> to on. go this deep. You could have had Scott Alexander on. Yeah, he is as big a Albert fan as me okay. yeah great yeah well uh, anything um, you want to plug before we end um you might want to check out hanging with dr z on youtube yes. yeah it is very very funny I've, mor- I've morphed into my final form <laughs> <laughs> planet of the apes would probably have been another good episode to have you on i would imagine would have been good yeah bring it on um <laughs> but uh, yeah we have the third season that will come out when the strike is over nice. we're not a signatory but we're not gonna mm-hmm. yeah standing work. in solidarity not gonna give people entertainment for sure um and uh in that regard and uh yeah just instagram uh at dana golden you'll see me i'm usually at the improv or at the three clubs or supernova or someplace amazing well you're the best dana thank you so much for giving us so much of your time this is incredible thank you my pleasure yeah thanks for having me on well that my friends is the show follow us on social media at cinema possessed pod where we announce next week's movie ahead of time and if you want to get even more possessed head on over to patreon.com slash cinema possessed pod and unlock the cinema possessed bonus materials our bi-monthly bonus episodes where we talk about more than just what's in our collection plus you'll gain exclusive access to patreon only giveaways and community message boards don't forget to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your pods and if you have a question email us at cinema at gmail.com and as always keep watching the movies you love and stay possessed later Bye.